coast. Like we just have our sights set on it, you know. And I love, you know, I love being against the odds. And I love the, the possibility where like, he, like God has to show up or just we're, we're just screwed, you know. Like I just love that. And I love that Davidic thing, you know. It's like, and I feel like moving up here has saved me, has saved me to stay wild, like, if I'd be in Texas, just like, you could just chill in Texas and sing a couple songs and smile and watch a couple cowboy games. And, you know, it's like, you're good. But, uh, it's like, it's preserved the fight in me, you know, to press in, you know. And, um, and but I, 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 wa- I was so honored to come um, because, because of this church. And I really believe um, this is the season where the Lord is igniting um, and, and calling people to build and plow these fresh perspectives of what he's doing on the earth. And my, uh, my encouragement to you this morning is to not be a people that are reactionary against something or, you know, well, we're the only hardcore ones. We're the only ones that really care. You know, I was just in Denver and I kind of had like a soft rebuke for some of my friends out there that have a church because, you know, Denver is like the third least church city in America. It's less than 8%. It's highest in witchcraft, highest in suicide, you know, everything. And we can walk into those environments and quickly be people that are like, ooh, do you feel that? Do you feel that? Ooh, it's so hard. Ooh, yeah. You know, and it's like, we get this kick on how hard and intense it is. And it's just this weird culture thing, you know, and, and, and it's like, we become like thermometers instead of stepping in as thermostats. Where it's like, well, Duh, it's hard. That's why I'm here. You know, duh, it's unchurched. That's why God sent us here, you know. And so I was just talking to these guys. I'm like, listen, like, and so we had this worship night uh, last weekend, and Jesus Culture came, and I was there, and out of nowhere, 3,000 people showed up and packed out this place. We worshiped for like five hours, and it was like the craziest worship I've ever experienced in Colorado. And it was in that night that you realize, hey, listen, like, there's a lot of hunger here. You know, and I saw that last night, man. I walked in there. Daryl was up there blazing. And I was just like this. Like, if you don't have hope for what God's doing in New England, like, just move. Because, like, what is happening? Like, guys, like, I've never seen worship like that in this region. Like, last night. Like, it was amazing. And so, what I'm even sharing this morning is a little bit of preaching to the choir. But it's just to encourage you, like, you're on the right track. Like, God is making you wild. He's making you people that press, and he's making you, and this is not a hype thing, but this is, like, Jesus is due extravagance, and we're going to give it to him. And it was funny, because I got back from India and being with the Sikh friend, and, you know, he's just, like, doesn't know about the Trinity, doesn't know about the Bible. He's singing about Jesus, and his songs are now sweeping all across India. Like, everyone's singing his songs in the village, and it was funny, because I was there, and I'm, I wanted, like, you know, and it's like the Indian, it's like, you know, they're crazy stuff, and, but I'm thinking, you know, he, this guy sings, and it's, like, so powerful, and I'm just like, oh, like, I feel the presence of God, I could never do that, but maybe I could take what you're doing and, tra- you know, translate it, and I could, you know, make it like a four-chord glory song or something, and, uh, and so I asked him, like, the, the lyrics to one of his big choruses that everyone's singing, and he said, yeah, these are the lyrics to it. He said, even if my body's cut up into a million pieces, I will not lose my song for you. 
Like, that's like one of his choruses. <laughs> like, everyone's singing it. Like, still, they're singing it. I was just there. They're singing it. And the kids are singing it. The grandmas are singing it. Everyone's smiling, you know? Like, can you imagine? Like, guys, we have a new song. Just go ahead and put it up there. Follow me. Even if, you know, it's like, but there's something about the authority that he carries of how impressed he is with Jesus. I mean, this dude, like, presence of God comes, you know? And, and, and the kingdom belongs to ones like these, you know? And so I want to share this morning, just, just out of John chapter 1, I, I, I got in the elevator, and what kind of reminded me of this was um, yesterday when we got in the elevator to the hotel, and we're just so blown away by the insane view, and I got on there, and <laughs> these dudes, so like typical Boston, you know, these dudes get on there, and they got their sweaters on, you know, their sweet sweater deals, and they, you know, they, they got it like tied up here, and it's hanging up, and they're just hanging on the elevator, <laughs> The guy looks at the other guy and he goes, yeah, he's, you know, what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, I'm, I'm finishing my doctorate and blah, 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 blah. And the, the other guy goes, oh, cool. What are you doing? And he goes, yeah, I'm actually working in my divinity to this. And the other guy, yeah, I'm here from, and, and they just like are going around the whole elevator ride and I'm on the top floor. They're just talking about their degrees and what they're doing and their, their deal. And they kind of look over at me in the corner there. <laughs> and I got my guitar leaning against the thing and. And they look back at each other, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to engage in this conversation here. Um, I, I just got back from India. I play a little guitar. You know, it's, it's just funny, but it's that culture where it's like, like I mentioned earlier in worship, it's that culture of like, impress me. You know, Im- impress me. Let, me. let me show you. And I know that you guys know the prophetic words about this region more than I do, but every time we come up here, we pray them. You know, we pray the, that that prayer, you know, that, that Boston is the Jericho of America, and when the walls of intellectualism fall down, that revival's going to sweep the nation. Like, we pray those things, and we believe them, and I just feel like a key to combating that isn't, you know, isn't intellectualism with intellectualism. You know, that's just, that's just not how it works, you know? It's, how it works is it's the Sikh that sees the man in white. Doesn't even know his name, but is so struck with his beauty, he puts down his instrument in the middle of a 340-year demonic prayer meeting that he stops and walks out and in one moment becomes a worship leader that is writing anthems for a generation of what will be the largest church in the history of the world. It's going to surpass China in the next 10 years as the largest church in the history of mankind. Part of my message even to you guys this morning is the Colossians 1 reality that all over the world, the gospel's bearing fruit. Like, it's never not, it's never not increased, it's never not borne fruit. Like, it's only, that's only what it does, globally. And I know that, you know, we're pressing in for things in this region, but I want you to know around the world, there's no stopping it. You know, and I, I love even, even these nations, like they're just freaking out. There's almost 3 million underground, uh, 3 million Christians in the underground church in Iran now. Like they, the government doesn't know what to do. They can't contain it, you know. China right now is almost 300 million Chinese are saved. It was like a golf cheer. Like... 
I mean, the, 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 the government right now, uh, some of my friends, they're flying people over. The Communist Party of China is flying over uh, Christian leaders to help them build a, and restructure their society to accommodate Judeo-Christian biblical foundations. Literally, they're like, and, and, you know, one of my friends was telling me he was over there, and he's like, why did you guys fly us over here, and what are we doing? And they're like, well, we, we tried for years. We expended energy and time, and we tried to kill the church, and every time we tried harder, it grew bigger. So we realized we can't kill it. We might as well, you know, and now we have Christians that are billionaires. And now we have Christians that are in the entertainment industry. Now we have Christians in every part of society. So I guess we just need to accommodate them. I guess we need to build a society that includes them, you know. And, and so all, all over the world, the gospel's bearing fruit. Like, if you don't take anything from this morning, take away this, the confidence that he who began a good work will finish it. And that we're heading to a dynamic crescendo moment globally that will not be stopped. And yeah, you know, there, you know, it's the great and the terrible day of the Lord, says Joel. I mean, there's, there's two sides of it. It's, you know, the, uh, it, this Isaiah, you know, Isaiah 60, you know, that darkness covers the face of the earth, but the glory rises on you. And we're in this polarizing season, guys, but it's so bright. Turn to someone next to you, say, it's so bright. Say like a junior high kid that, you know, it's so bright, dude. Like, it's just, so John, John chapter one, I just want to read this. I just, I don't need, I was going to preach on something else, but this really struck me and I haven't shared this in a while. John one forty three. I want to talk a little bit about Nathaniel and, and, and kind of the Bostonian mindset probably is a little bit like Nathaniel, you know, who's, who's just really up front and really like doesn't pull any punches, you know. Like every time I come here, like, dude, the drivers here are outrageous. <laughs> like, I mean, look at the stats. Like, by far, number one for accidents, collisions, and little birdies that you'll get. <laughs> you'll get get the bird. Yeah, you're not. You guys are number one. You number one for all that. Um, but Nathaniel, so Jesus is showing up on the scene, and, and which is a big deal, and you know people are, are being convinced of who he is, and, and uh, it says in verse 44 that Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida, and Philip found Nathaniel and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So, pretty big deal, you know, you, you grew up your whole life studying about the Messiah that's going to come, and you're praying and you know intensely for him to come. Which, by the way, I was in Israel a few weeks ago, and um, you know there's now over fifteen to sixteen thousand Messianic believers in Israel. In the '80s, there was a couple hundred, and the churches are exploding. In fact, so cool. I was up on Mount Carmel, which is the uh, the mountain the the mountain where Elijah called down the fire. I love going to these places and doing crazy things. Yeah, I am that guy, and. We were up there on Mount Carmel, and some friends of mine, they, they have a church on the very top of Mount Carmel, which is the spot they believe where the fire was called down with Elijah, and they built a church, and they have an open skylight on the very top of the church that's just open, and they're, you know, they're praying, and, and it's one of the only places in Israel you can worship with Jews and Arabs, like they worship together, and they just go 
go bonkers for Jesus. And we're up there, and we're doing 24 hours of worship um, uh, like a month ago or something. And we were singing, and it was, you know, some Germans and Russians and Jews and Arabs. And it just, it just was like the craziest mix of people. And we kicked off 24 hours of worship. And right in the middle of the first set, Syria sends five rockets over into Israel um, literally over our heads because we're right on the Lebanese-Syrian border, right? So they send these rockets over and the bomb alarms are going off and it's like everyday life there, you know? And so, and I'm, you know, I'm hearing the bomb alarms and I'm kind of thinking, you know, and there's a, every church and every home has a bomb shelter. And so they're going off and then Israel sends, you know, rockets back across to Syria and it's just like right in the first set, it's just rockets going back and forth over our head. And so I'm, I'm turning to like the Jewish, at that time it was a Jew and an Arab leading worship together. It was like so powerful, you know? And they were just like feeding off each other and prophesying. It was like the one new man, you know, right there. And so I look at them both and I go, hey guys, like, should we move this to the bomb shelter? Like, it's, like sirens are going off. And, you know, they look at me like, how dare you? They go, we're not going anywhere. We're going to worship through this. This is our life. If you want to stay here, then stay. If not, you know, and they were like, drew the line in the sand. I'm like, all right, guys. Yeah, we're cool. Yeah. We're just checking. Just checking, you know. Just checking. And uh, so we were worshiping that whole night long through this battle that, that they were having. And like, these guys in the nations, man, like, like there is no riding the fence. And I believe we're coming to that season in America, which I'm very thankful for, you know, where I said last night, will the real Christians please stand up? Like, this is a season where it's like, it, we don't have the choice to be, uh, to be people that are in the middle or in the fence or in the gray. It's like, you're hot, we're either hot or cold. Like, choose this day, you know. Do you really believe this stuff or not? Because passive Christianity is gone. You know, and so anyway, so it, this says, so Philip comes, he founds Nathaniel. He goes, hey, dude, I found him. I know you're probably not going to believe me, but I'm telling you, this is our guy. Like, this is the one we've been reading about. We've been praying about. We've been, we've been like, he's actually here in our lifetime. Can you believe it, dude? You know, and he's freaking out. And, and, uh, and he goes, Jesus, son of Nazareth. And this is the famous saying that Nathaniel came up with. He goes, Nazareth. Are you serious? That armpit? Can anything good come from there? It's just like so upfront. It's like so New England, you know. It's like, can anything good come from there? Are you serious, dude? No way. And uh, and I love this. And this is this is what this is your guys's response, you know? Is 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 what he says. He says, "Come and see." So he, he, he doesn't try to argue with them about why he's in Nazareth. And, well, there's this one prophecy like 25 years ago. And, you know, he doesn't like go into this equation for explaining why this man is coming from Nazareth. He just says, dude, I'm not even going to go there. Just come and see. Come and behold the man. Come and have an encounter. One of the reasons I love being in, the, in, in Muslim nations, and, you know, we just sent, I was mentioning last night on the, the Blood Moon Sunday, um, where people were freaking out about, you know, the end of the world. I was actually at a, at a church, and I was, like, so tempted to bust into, like, REM. It's the end of the world, you know? And I feel fine. I, like, I wanted so bad to go there, you know? Um... um 
but I was actually in Texas, and then they would have been like, that's a secular song, and you know, but anyway, um, up here, I, I could have got away with it, but, but, uh, <laughs> but um, on that Blood Moon Sunday, we actually sent in a group of girls, um, just young, blonde-haired worship leaders into Northern Rock for two years, and, um, and, you know, as I mentioned, there, there's a moment where, like, we can be intimidated, we can be pushed back, we can retreat into fear, into anxiety, and we can mask it up with the greatest excuses. I mean, this is America, dude. We have the best excuses ever. And we just say one of them, and people go, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I totally get you, man, totally get you, you know. But really, a lot of times our excuses are just, we're just covering up for our own fear. For our own pathetic excuses of why we can't do, you know, why we can't believe and why we can't stand it. And, and we're, we're really good with excuses. And, you know, um, in our response, like even in the Muslim world, as I was mentioning, what I love is that if you don't come with encounter, you got nothing. They don't want your theology. They don't want your reasoning. You don't sit down with the jihadist Muslim and reason. Just FYI. If you ever get in that situation, you don't try to reason. There's no reasoning. Well, let's come to the table and let's open up our theology books and let's have a debate. No, no, it doesn't work like that. Like, you come with encounter. You come with the revelation of Jesus. You come with his beauty and you carry, like, the, as I mentioned before, like Peter, the eyewitness of his majesty. Like, that's what you come with. And that's what's cracking open the Middle East. I don't know if you've seen, like, and, and this is why I love, I love pressing in. And, 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 and if we don't have theology for ISIS dudes getting saved, then we got to throw away a third of the New Testament. Because Paul mercilessly killed Christians. And so I look at that dude jihadist John, and I'm like, bro, your time is coming. You know, and I love it, man, because these dudes, just a side note, like encouragement, these dudes from like China, super smart guys, you know, they're just like cruising into these ISIS camps. It's like the Chinese can get away with anything. Like they just like, they can go anywhere and get away with anything. Like me, like I am like stick out like a sore thumb. There's no hiding who I am, but these Chinese dudes, they just kind of like come in and oh yeah good to, you know and they 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 can kind of sneak behind enemy lines and all this stuff and and one of the things they're doing which is really cool is they developed these uh these these rocks they look like rocks but what they are is they're actually um they're actually a a wi-fi system in that looks like a rock and what it has on it is it's you they log on to it you know because like isis is like the most net is like the most net savvy, the most sophisticated, the most developed, the most wealthy terrorist organization in the history of the world, you know? And so they're always doing stuff on social media, so they're always looking for signals. So these guys created these, they look like rocks, and they're Wi-Fi signals that actually, it's not a real Wi-Fi signal to the web, but when they log onto it, immediately what blasts their phones or their devices is the Bible in Arabic, is the Jesus film, is all these things. 
and they're literally sneaking these. It's crazy. Like, they're, they're sneaking these in these camps, like these Chinese dudes. They're just like coming out there and leaving these in these ISIS camps way out in the middle of nowhere, and dudes are opening their phones and having encounters with Jesus. Isn't that awesome? And the craziest thing about it is they can't find where it's coming from because it looks like a rock. Anyway, it's just God, like Jehovah's sneaky. I love it, you know? So it says, when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here is a true Israelite to whom there is nothing false. So Jesus basically says, hey, I like these kind of people. They don't give me religious... You know, they don't, they don't just carry this culture. They, they're, they're, they mean what they say. They say what they mean. These are like real people. These are authentic people, you know. And he immediately, as he sees Nathaniel coming, he just says, oh, this, this dude means what he says, man, when he shows up. And, and, and then Nathaniel, classic, he goes, how do you know me? That's what he's saying to God, right? Like, yeah, you wouldn't say this in Texas. Like, you just smile, yeah, 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 you know. Nathaniel just goes, how do you know me, man? You don't know me. How do you know me? And he, he responds to Jesus telling him who he is. And then, and then Jesus says, I saw you while you were still under the tree before Philip called you. Which is, I don't know if it's purposeful or not, but it sounds real ambiguous to me. You know, I don't know if it was like some moment, but he just basically says, hey, Nathaniel, I know you. I saw you under that tree that one time. Remember that? Which is, it's kind of like, I remember reading this the first time. I was thinking, man, God, like, could you like read out his social security number? Like, could you, like, is there something a little more specific? Could hone it in? Like, seeing a dude under a tree, like, there's trees everywhere. Which time under a tree? Like, where? You know, it's like, but it's almost like with his, with the, with the ambiguity, it's almost like he's testing his hunger. Like he could have read off his mail, read everything and just zeroed right in. But he goes, oh, I know you. I saw you that one time under the tree. Nathaniel goes, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You're the king of Israel. This is a freak out moment. OMG, you saw me under the tree. And this is one of the only three times in the the Gospels it's recorded where Jesus is impressed. How many know if you impress God, you're doing pretty good, right? And his response impressed Jesus so much, right? Because he, I believe, purposely gave an ambiguous word to see how hungry he was and hit the jackpot right away. Oh, you're God. He saw me under the tree. So awesome. And it says that Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the tree? This is God's response. Like that's all it took? Like, that's it. I was going to give you so much more, but that was easy, man. And Jesus is so impressed. And then he says this, and this is where I'm going. He said, you shall see greater things than that. He then added, I tell you the truth, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. 
And I was just thinking about you guys this morning and just loving the church plant thing. You know, you got to come every week and set the speakers up and get up super early and make this hotel room kind of feel homey, you know, and probably paying way too much because everything here costs way too much and expending all this energy to host and create an atmosphere where people can encounter Jesus. And I just was so moved in my heart because I I believe that the Lord is positioning you to be a Nathaniel-like company. And I know that in this room, like there's probably, it's like so classic, there's probably so many doctorates and so many people that are super smart and perfect on your SATs. I don't know. Like every time I come here, I just feel like it's crazy. But I feel like the key to inheriting this fresh new season is to be people that are so insanely sensitive that the moment he comes in the room, we just get giddy. Where we push past familiarity. It's one of the things, we do worship schools all over the world, and one of the things I really preach against in young people is it's like we sit there, you know. Musicians, creatives, they're like the worst. They sit there in worship and they're just like, <sighs> kind of waiting for like a build or a cool drum thing or like a guitar tone is, you know, and kind of waiting for something cool to happen and then they might kind of engage a little bit and, you know, maybe at the big massive crescendo, maybe you'll get like an arm raised and it just takes a lot to move those kind of people and we've created the gospel where it's all about impress me. It's all about, I want to hear this. This is what I came for. It's me, me, me. And it's so egocentric driven. And God, like, is just not into that. He's just not. Like, historically, he bypasses generations with that. He doesn't enforce his free will. It says that he's searching to and fro across the earth, seeking hearts that are positioned to receive him. This is why these nations right now are such hot spots because I was in Indonesia a couple months ago and I was there and um, I was getting up to, to lead worship and you know, it's funny, I'm, I'm like, I have a couple CDs and I know what the Lord's going to do and I'm going to sing my songs and I know which song it's really going to come down and we're going to vamp a little bit and I'm going to prop sing a little prophetic song and we're really going to get into it and I kind of have this plan and I get up there and I play one chord and there's 4,000 Indonesians, they're just like, bah! you know and they just like hijack the meeting like from the first strum like there's no hope in recovering like there's no plan there's no like let's just move the hearts of the people and get them ready you know it's like they just go ballistic you know and so I go up to their pastor and I'm like dude where are these people from like what the heck and come to find out 90% of them were like were like hardline Muslims like last year right? And they got saved, and they're just crazy, and, you know, I'm sitting with the pastor, and I'm like, oh my gosh, and Indonesia right now is the largest Muslim nation in the world, and it's encountering a massive revival, like, like, explosive, and I'm sitting with the pastor, and I'm like, and he tells me, you know, drops these stats on me, that every seven seconds, a Muslim gets saved in Indonesia. Seven seconds. And... And most of it's coming through the, the atmosphere of encounter. 
And he says, you know, and, and he shared with me stories about how these guys are getting beaten and their houses are getting set on fire and they're, they're, you know, they're getting attacked and they have these threats against them. And the more threats they get, the more intense their worship becomes, you know. And, you know, I was thinking about how for us, you know, our familiarity and all the stuff that we know and our knowledge that puffs up and our, our preconceived notions and ideas of how we think we want him to come and we want it to look like it. We want our church to sound like and be like and do like really prohibits that raw hunger from rising to the surface where we go, oh, MG, he's in the room this morning. Ah, this is crazy. Can you believe he's in the room? He showed up. We showed up. He's here. And we create this culture where we're just so absolutely fanatical for him that he just can't help but come and crash in. And, and, and he's looking for people. And you know, you look historically throughout the Bible, like God just loves ultra dramatic, extravagant people. It just is what it is. Well, I don't really worship like that. Well, the Bible says to worship like that. You know? And a lot of times we try to build theologies to support, well, some people, you know, it's funny. I, I grew up and <laughs> one of the pastors was like, you know, some people worship, they're sitting down and they fold their hands and some people worship and they sing and it's all worship, you know? And it took me a while to realize, well, we, we actually worship how the Bible says to worship. Like, if it says to shout unto the Lord, then we shout unto the Lord says to dance, then we dance. I mean, we're really safe when we keep our parameters in here. And I feel like, guys, that the Lord is like beautifully removing every kind of paradigm and theology that's allowed for lack and that's allowed for passivity and that's allowed for excuses. And he's causing us to be a people that are easily impressed. That like Nathaniel. And the greatest thing about this is that Nathaniel, he, he goes nuts, you know, that Jesus saw him under a tree one day, randomly. And Jesus goes, oh. He said, oh, man, if that impressed you, I can't wait to show you what's coming. And it's like how the kingdom operates, you know. What you do with what you've been given determines how much more you're given. And Jesus goes, oh, I'm going to save my best stuff for you. And he totally blows his mind. And he goes, Nathaniel, you're going to literally see the Son of Man ascending and descending. Generations throughout history have cried out for this moment. They've prophesied it. They've longed for it. And you're going to be the one that sees it. Isn't that crazy? I mean, I know you're impressed that I saw you under the tree, but wait till you see that. And I feel like for, for you this morning that God He's restoring back in and through us a wonder and an expectation again. And that's what I felt last night, and that's what so moved me again to, to remember, oh, yes, God, you did send us up to this region, and yes, you're doing what you said you promised. People are hungry. People believe. People are pressing in. It only takes a few to turn the tide. So I just want to pray over you guys this morning and, and, and bless you in your pursuit of wildness and of extravagance. And I really believe, I pray, man, that the sounds and the extravagance of your worship like hijacks this hotel. And I pray it would take over your services and there would be times where you can't even go through the list of what you need to do because you're just so undone. 
the beauty of Jesus. And what attracts people to this community isn't going to be, you know, combating intellect with intellect. It's going to be encounter. It's going to be people know this is the place. If you want to see him, come and see. Come and see. Just come and see. And your greatest evangelistic strategy is going to be telling people all over this region, just come and behold. Just come and behold him. And the revelation and the beauty of Jesus has an incredible way of disarming our crafty strategies and our thinking. It's crazy, you know, when we were there in the front lines and we were worshiping, and right now we're, you can be praying for us because we're like, there's like hardly anybody over there really doing these things that are in our heart to do. I mean, I am, as I've traveled the world, you know, over the last 10 years extensively, I've never seen an area, I've never seen anything like this. I've never seen the heinous, demonic, vile evil that I've witnessed of what ISIS is doing. Like, it's outrageous. And then I've never seen so many people in war fatigue and retreating and like weary and all these missions organizations have pulled everyone out of this region. Like some of my own friends that are missions leaders aren't allowed to go. And I'm like, guys, like there's three million refugees. Like they're they're disillusioned with Islam. There's been almost 50,000 of them that have been mercilessly killed at the hands of ISIS. And the Kurds and the Yazidis are crying out to know God. They're crying out for a greater revelation. This is our finest hour. We can't retreat, you know, I'm like, I'm like going around the world, like, and, and, and stirring people up because I just believe, you know, and, and I've seen, even in this situation there, we were there and we were with the Kurdish Peshmerga soldiers and they're, they're Muslims too. And we don't pull any punches. We're like, Hey, you know, I don't know why you're bringing us to the front lines. We're Christians. We believe in Jesus is the only way to be saved. We believe he's the only hope for Iraq. And, and, and they're like, okay and I go we don't believe it's Muhammad like I'm just let's draw the line like we're we're you know and they're like ah it's okay but but every time you know we bring people when you worship when you Christians come things change you know things change we want and this 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 Kurdish Muslim actually grabbed me and and he looked at me he goes tell your friends that tell America we don't want guns we don't want your aid we want your musicians we want your musicians tell them to come and um, I was so blown away, right? And I, I kind of wanted to tell the guy, will you just travel around America with me? Like, you know, just wear your Muslim soldier thing and just come and explain to people this principle of you're so absolutely confident that what we're doing changes things. Like, you're convinced more than most Christians are convinced, you know? And, like, what's crazy, even in this, these seasons, like, this place, for example, like, wonder and encounter, like, is all that they have. 
You know, and one by one, these guys are getting saved. And, you know, one by one, the Kurds and the Yazidis in their darkest hour when they've lost everything, like they're turning to Jesus. This is the greatest hour for the, for the Kurdish bride. This is the greatest hour for the Yazidi bride because out of the Valley of Accor, there's a door of hope, you know, Hosea 2.15. And I want to encourage you guys with this because as you get bombarded by the media, with all of the stuff that's happening across the world. I want you to be confident that God is raising people up and he's sending out people that are releasing encounter and people are getting saved. And in the darkness, the light shines brighter. I mean, our whole slogan for this is light a candle. Don't curse the darkness, but light a candle. And the Lord showed me this revelation. I know it's kind of silly and it's like, you know, it's just like, but... You know, when you light a candle and you're standing out in the daylight, you can't see the flame. But the darker that the night gets, the brighter the light becomes. And this is a season where God is lighting those candles in our hearts, in our lives, in our homes, in our communities. And that's what you guys are. So I want to pray over you. We just stand up. Such a privilege to be here again. So excited for all that God's doing with this church and this community. And I just want to pray that he would posture you to be people that are easily impressed. I want to mention too, I didn't have a chance to bring this stuff to the conference, but there are um, some books and CDs. I just released an album a couple months ago called Victorious One. This is rec- uh, recorded live at Bethel with... Um, Christine DeMarco from Jesus Culture and Amanda Cook. And actually, Heidi Baker is on here. We have this crazy track. I call it the swirl track where it's like this spontaneous thing. And, and we just got into this whole missions commissioning thing. It was just wild. And we captured it. It was such a, a privilege. And anyway, that's back there. And on most of the stuff, I'm just telling you to get it because um, I'm shamelessly telling you because a lot of it's going to support what we're doing over there in the Middle East. And so we're trying to raise a quarter of a million bucks right now and we're on our way. But, but I don't like use it as a coaster. If you, I don't care, but just buy something. <laughs> buy something on your way out and, and really support what we're doing. But let me just pray for you. I'm actually not really a Patriots fan, but I really want Brady to do well. He's on my fantasy team. And so praying today's a a big day for him. <laughs> Just weaving that in, you know. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Lord, we thank you, God, for positioning these beautiful people here, God, in this land of promise. Lord, we thank you for the confident expectation, Lord, that this is the peak season. It's peak. The kingdom's peaking all around us. I thank you, God, for Daryl and Bethany, God, and their faithfulness and their persistence to push past the odds and to to fight. And I just even speak over them. Just, Just extend your hand to them. I just speak over them a season of great ease in the Holy Spirit. A season uh, of, of where the wind of heaven literally is blowing on their back. I speak it over their family. I thank you, God, for health and wellness over their family. I thank you for energy. I just, I just feel like you guys are just going to like start laughing like a lot more. Spontaneously, like you're just going to be people that like, 
And I don't, I'm not saying it's going to be like a personality shift because you're really happy people. Like, but I just feel like that God is going to surprise you with a joy that you haven't known before. Like there's going to be an accessibility to a joy. And I just see it bubbling up in random moments, like moments where you could, it it could be anxious. There could be tension. There could be whatever. And like, God's just going to give you this laughing thing. Like the Psalm 2 reality, you know, he who sits in the heavens laughs, like the laughing over the enemies of God, the laughing over anything that's trying to come against what you're establishing. Like there's just a laughing thing that's going to come on you that's going to diffuse the tension and diffuse what could be uh, tumultuous situations, but there's going to be a lightness on you that's going to be translated to your whole body. And I just feel like part of your DNA as a church is going to be like the lighthearted community. that comes together and people walk into this atmosphere and burdens and yokes just fall off of people. Burdens of oppression. And you don't even have to like pray about it and get intense and play like minor chords. You can just like be in this atmosphere of people that carry the lightheartedness and it's just a breakthrough that happens when they walk in this room. So I thank you. I bless them, God. And I thank you for this church. I thank you for Hilltop. I thank you, God, for a light that's shining on a hill, God. It cannot be easily hidden. I just pray... Lord, that this would be an amazing season coming out of this conference. Lord, coming out of this this explosion of all of these dynamic words and promises and prophecies. I pray, Lord, that you would cultivate a people here that freak out every time you show up. Lord, that you would cultivate. I thank you that this is going to be the easiest congregation to lead worship in and preach in all of New England. That this is going to be known like... You know, like like when I go lead worship at Bethel, I love it because I can just sing kumbaya and people just go nuts, you know? And I just feel like that same grace is going to come upon you. That your reputation is going to be like a people, a people that like so go crazy, like it doesn't take much to get you hungry. It doesn't take much to get you pressing in. Put your hand on someone next to you. Let's just pray that over each other. Say, Lord, make them a person that's easily impressed. Say, make them like Nathaniel, God. Say, bless them, Lord, with childlike wonder. Childlike wonder. Childlike expectation. Childlike hope. (laughs) Uh, light-hearted nature thank you whoa that's your butt bro (laughs) just keep on praying for the people that you're praying for just a little longer come on pray pray Oh, run.